You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. All right, guys, exciting CarCast show coming up soon. We're going to talk to our friend Alistair Weaver from Edmunds.com. He's going to tell us all about uh, some new cars in the Frankfurt Auto Show, and we're going to get into some Porsche talk and uh, all the good stuff that you guys love. So uh, before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about Continental Belt. If you think of all the weird things that you find in cars, and I'm not just talking about French fries or melted crayons, I'm talking about live snakes, bizarre trinkets, stuff that makes you wonder about folks. Another thing that will make you wonder, but certainly in a good way, are Continental Belts. I bet you didn't know that they're OE and millions of Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, BMW, VW, and GM vehicles. Continental has launched their aftermarket multi-V belt with their OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series. These belts are fanatically engineered for perfect fit, form, and function for 98% of the vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. Continental's OE technology series multi-V belt, the belt with the OE pedigree, to get the full story, go to OETechnologyseries.com. And, of course, we're brought to you by our friends at Dodge. If you visit your local Dodge dealer where we bring you performance, technology, and great deals, there's never been a better time to join the Brotherhood of Muscle right now because we're offering Dodge Power Dollars, which means you'll get $10 off for each horsepower. That's a fantastic deal. So if you get a 797-horsepower red-eye, you get $7,970 off. Maybe you'll want to peel out in a powerful Dodge Charger or share your adventure with friends in a roomy seven-passenger Durango. It's the most powerful SUV in its class. So hurry into your Dodge local dealer uh, today and take advantage of Dodge Power Dollars. See dealer for details. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 9-30-19. Based on 2019 Ward's midsize sport utility vehicle segment. Excludes other FCA US LLC vehicles. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. <laughs> All <laughs> right, like, let's get started. Thanks, Alistair. <laughs> Welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndre, with Bill Goldberg. And welcome back to the studio, Alistair Weaver from Edmunds.com. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Matt. How are you? Ah, doing all right. What a fun little weekend we had, by the way. As you guys are listening to this, we went to this uh, great big charity event, uh, Guest of Volvo. And uh, it was uh, LA Loves Alex's Lemonade is the name of the event. And it's a fundraiser to... Uh, help fight uh, various uh, children's cancer, I believe. And uh, our friend uh, Jimmy Kimmel is one of the MCs, one of the big fundraisers there. And it's a great event. So if you've ever gone to Monterey Car Week, and when you've heard us talk about the quail so many times, and the quail, like you get in, it's super exclusive, and it's just food and beverage all around the place, and then car show in the middle. It's that without the cars. It's the greatest chefs all around. And uh, just, uh, you know, uh, Adam Perry Lang from APL is just cutting the great briskets and barbecue and tacos and and everybody's there and it's great and uh one of the things um they auctioned off was uh was a party at Kimmel's house for like you and 20 of your closest friends and he's got like three awesome chefs there anyway they they raised a lot of money i think that deal alone was like 100 grand yeah amazing event and great yeah. great great course and uh, and love the guys at Volvo. By the way, the event has been happening for 15 years, I think, in Philadelphia. Uh, but it's 10 years here in the LA. In LA, Volvo has been a title sponsor since day one here in LA for 10 years, and they oftentimes match the donations that are raised. So uh, Volvo spent a lot of money on this. Good for them. But um, oh man, we've got some uh, good stuff to talk about. You've been traveling all over. Uh, Bill, we've got all the good reports because we didn't get to go to Europe. We didn't go to Frankfurt. We didn't go to the Porsche Taycan reveal. Reveal. We didn't go to the auto shows, but Alistair did. Uh, so we're going to get into that. Um, before we get started, I'll tell you guys about Geico. Everybody's got a to-do list. You drop off some dry cleaning, pick up some milk, and now you can add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list, and you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. Just go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. So if you want some extra money in your pocket, this is the most rewarding to-do you can do today. Check out Geico.com. All right, so, Alistair, 
Where do you want to start? Frankfurt? Frankfurt. Yeah. How was that show? I've never been. It's a, I mean, Frank, in Europe, you get two big shows a year. You get Geneva in March, and then in September, October, Paris alternates with Frankfurt every year. Uh, this year, like a lot of auto shows, a lot of people were missing, uh, but it was still a, a, a big event. It's geographically huge. It's something like three miles from, from one end of the show to the other, literally. Is it the biggest um, auto show, or like compared to here, L.A., Detroit, New York? Like what, what's now the biggest auto show, do you think? Geographically, in terms of square footage, Frankfurt. Um, okay. In terms of – Attendance? In terms of attendance, I mean, obviously, you've got the difference between the media attendance and then the yeah. public attendance. Um, I mean, if you look at the world now, Frankfurt is right up there. Frankfurt, Geneva, Detroit is waning. Detroit's kind of an American show now, not a global show. LA's arguably on the rise because that's where the money is and where the, where the market is, particularly for your luxury brand. New York does okay. Um, but they are, and then then you've got Shanghai in in China. Tokyo is not really happening in the same way anymore. So I, I, it's I changing, it, but it's, it's still a big LA, deal. I thought LA maybe has downsized a little bit. Maybe not in the public way, but as far as as far as the manufacturers, like Ferrari doesn't go there anymore, and like all of the exotics. I think like Aston Martin and stuff. They're all like represented by Galpin. Like Galpin yeah. takes over a room. Uh, Alpine Galpin Motors. We have Galpin Ford. Uh, they have Aston Martin. They have a bunch of dealers. They kind of like take over and represent for all of the – I don't think Ferrari's been there in years. It's a bit – it depends on what also people have got, you know, what people mm-hmm. are launching. And it's kind of interesting is – look, Jaguar Land Rover at the moment doesn't have – you know, it's having a tough time. Globally, sales are down. Profits are, are non-existent at the moment. And they always said we're not going to launch a car at an auto show ever again So we want to create our own buzz, our own noise. You know, when they hit our times that it launched the Defender at Frankfurt. Yeah. Part of that is just because you've got everybody there. You know, global media flies in, as I did. I, mean, I was literally on the ground in, in Europe for 36 hours, which was kind of crazy. But also you've got a big, you know, you've got loads of public going, going through. And, and there was the Defender uh, finally, finally revealed after years of, I mean, it's the first all-new Defender since, what, 1948? And yeah. we've been talking about this car for, for years. Okay, so the, the the Defender is interesting because, like you said, it's it's wildly popular. It's a fan favorite. Uh, uh, you're you're starting to see them show up at at car auctions all around the world. They're starting to pull some good money. Um, never changed. Whereas, I don't know, the G wagon has changed a little bit, and I hate that goddamn thing. By the way, really, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> I kind of like it. Hey, watch your language. Alistair's on the show. Uh, sorry. Sorry, buddy. I hate that freaking thing. The bl- bloody thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Bl- it's bloody okay? I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, it's fine on. for yeah, us. Bloody, bloody, guess what? Bloody's okay. Okay. Bloody's okay. For a guy bloody, who's been in the hell, ring. Chaps. For a guy who's been in the ring so many times. <laughs> bloody's okay. Yeah, you guys, you guys handcuffing me over here. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, so, th- but I... Okay, what are your impressions of the Defender? What do we know? We know there's a four-door, and we know there's a two-door, probably a handful of different variations of it. Um, yeah. do, is it. Is it good? Do we want it? Do we like it? Does Land Rover need it? Uh, they desperately need it, that's for sure. It was interesting. They sent We get shots and footage of these things under embargo well ahead of the, the unveil so that we can start to prepare the, the content and stuff. And these pictures arrived in the office, and we all gathered around and looked at it, and it looked really soft and toy-like, and we were really, really yeah. disappointed. And yet when we went to Frankfurt and actually had a look at it in the metal, and you start to see the, the scale of it, it, it actually works so much better. So, And part of the problem was, you see this with a lot of brands now, you, but in this world of Photoshop and everything else, the, the photographs get so retouched, we're so kind of, they look like CGI, yeah. and this thing just ended up looking really soft. But when you see images of it out in the desert, covered in dirt, doing what a defender should, it looks so much better. And actually, when you see it in real life, the you know the proportions, the scale of the vehicle, and interesting, I, I had a, a look at this about five years ago, and and they were uh, back when I was back in the UK, and and then there was talk, would it be sort of on the Range Rover Sport or Range Rover platform? And I was kind of expecting it to be eighty thousand dollars plus. Yeah. And actually, because they build a new factory in Slovakia. They've been able to develop a whole new platform for this vehicle, and it's going to be sort of fifty to eighty thousand dollars. Now, when you think that our okay. Wrangler that we bought on the on the Edmunds fleet was just over sixty for a Rubicon, it's going to be a little bit more than a than a Wrangler. But you know, a G wagon is what one hundred and thirty, one hundred and fifty. So, 
it's in an interesting place in the market, and I like it. I yeah. think the, th- the the two door is the one that looks the coolest, a bit like the Wrangler. It looks the coolest. Everybody's going to talk about that, but I think people will buy the four door. And there's some really cool little details as well that you can get in the front, like you can with the old Defenders. You can actually get three people. There's a little mm, okay, kind of jump yeah. seat in the middle, which is kind of nice on the on the three door. So you can have the three door, sorry, the two door. I'm in America now, two door, uh, <laughs> which can seat six, or you can have a four door, which can seat seven. So there's a lot of flexibility. There's probably a truck somewhere down the line. Um, I think it's going. I mean, it'll be on sale. We're going to drive it next year. Um, it'll be at the LA Auto Show this November. What's the power plant? It. You know. The power plant over here will be uh, will be gas. There will probably be in time plug in uh, plug in hybrid. So it's the three liter uh, six that they have in yeah. that, that they have in the rest of the rest of their range. But they've actually, I, I think, bringing it at this price point. And I said to them on the ground, I was kind of surprised that it was that it was not more. And I kind of got a few sort of worried glances, and obviously been a lot of yeah. internal debate at how you pitch this. Bill, and, have you seen the pictures of this yet? The new the. I the defender. I have not. So no, no. What's what's interesting because it, the timing of this might be good with a Bronco coming out, and that's so highly anticipated that maybe Land Rover sort of beating them to the punch by having uh, by having the the defender out there first. I was going to say the defender could probably be the luxury version of the Bronco coming out, but I don't know in that price range that you're talking about. I don't. I don't know that it's that much more. A Bronco is probably going to be. I'll tell you what, that's a. If you ask me, that's a fantastic idea because if it wasn't near that price range, that market would not have even considered it. The Ford Bronco guys, but now yeah. it's a competitor. That's right. Now, actually, they're going to have a range of options. You'll be able to trick it up. You can have snorkels and everything else. And, right. and so there'll be ways of scaling it up. But when you think what people, as soon as you add a few Mopar bits to a Jeep or something, you easily get there. And this is. You know, it's new, it's yeah. different. It's- I mean, there's probably going to be, a, let's say, a $10,000 difference between the Defender and the Bronco, let's say. But probably it's attainable. Look at years back when the, when the Defender came out. You know, only, the, only the, the rich and famous were driving them, you know, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, and I, I think it'd be interesting over here because obviously, particularly in the UK or in Europe, the Defender's been on sale up until a couple of years ago. I owned one, actually, for, for a short time, and... How many, you know, it's it's always been a bit of a cult car. Over here, of course, it's either, you know, wealthy people in Venice Beach, California, mm-hmm. chugging around in them, and it's it's a different crowd. And it'll be interesting to see how much appeal it, they can they can generate because they, it doesn't have the awareness that it does in Europe. Right. Like, they're starting to show up at, at RM and Gooding auctions. They're not... They're not showing up on used car lots, you know, no. like uh, the defenders are starting to get up there. And maybe the clientele, the, the more affluent ownership out here in the U.S. might have to do with the cost of ownership. I can't imagine it's inexpensive to keep that thing running in top condition all the time. It might be a little fidgety, for lack of better words. Well, there's plenty of parts, but it <laughs> is. I think by them changing the price point, they opened up a completely different sector. I think it's going to change the change the uh change the identity of that vehicle i i think i mean for the better if you ask me yeah you see it's interesting talking to you guys because you guys see it as a fashion accessory over here in europe of course <laughs> well, well we a- do and we don't my brother's had one for 15 years and we drive the dog crap out of it and so it's far it's it's not a you know for him it's not a fashion accessory but for the most part yes you're you're correct but you know for the purists that take it out and do what it it's 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 built to do uh-huh. you know they they love that vehicle and now it's going to open that up that vehicle up to a whole different sector you know with that price point and in because in in the UK even up until its its final days it was although it became a bit trendy it was still the choice of the farmer you know it was yeah. a utilitarian tool used on farms particularly in the UK but also across Europe so they need to try and keep it um, I mean, that audience is not particularly well served by this vehicle. Yes, you can have things like hose-out interiors, and they've kind yeah, of been yeah, cute yeah. with it, but it's... Not so much here. We're not going to get super stripped-down models. It just doesn't seem like that's that's the audience out here. Uh, Plus, Land Rover is trying to be still more of a luxury brand in the U.S. than it, than it is to be sort of the all-encompassing brand. Maybe it is in, in other parts of the world. Yeah, I mean, what I think what they're after is is 
is what Bill describing there. So somebody with the caddy can have like a rubberized interior that you can wash out and things like that. And so it's it's people who then want to use the vehicle, but it's people who also want to be comfortable when they drive it on the road and everything else. Because I've done thousands of miles in the old Defender, and and trust me, it's not comfortable and it's not pleasant and it's not it's not it's not particularly it's not that safe. Is an yeah, yeah. Like, but, it's, but it's worthy. It's, but it's but you put yourself through it because it's such a cool and capable vehicle. Yeah, it's the sort of thing that you buy because you think this is going to be so cool. Then, then you, you know, after about a thousand miles of driving it on the road, you realize it's a really bad idea. <laughs> right, like Bill, like are you're you saying. Are you talking about the G wagon? Are you talking about the Defender? <laughs> right, the Defender. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm with you on it. Uh, it. It's supposed to have the the most capable off roading of anything in their lineup right now, and that seemed to be a big selling point. And and Bill, to your to, to your point, like your brother, you guys go out and you thrash this thing around. But it's not his only vehicle. It's not his daily driver. It's not like this is the life. No, no, you know. he he uses it for what it was built for. Right, and he's very fortunate that you know that's that's the case. But you know, I think it's it's a it's a capable all around vehicle to where you could you know be a a millennial and you know drive it out on the weekends and four wheel and do your thing, and then mm-hmm. you know during the week, depending upon where you live, you could use it as a as a commuter. Well, I, I, speak, I speak to a guy called Stuart, uh, Stuart Frith, who is the chief engineer uh, on, on Defender. And, I mean, he, you'd expect him to talk it up. But, you know, part of the remit for this vehicle is it needed to be the best off-road. Yeah. Uh, so they've got hugely high expectations for it. The fact that they've been able to develop a whole new platform for it helps with that. So, you know, they are targeting Wrangler, G-Wagon, and they want this to be the best off-road. So there's going to be some pretty interesting uh, tests of it coming up in the next year. Okay, so when do well, you that, guys that drive does nothing but help the consumer because, I mean, if, if, if that's the case, then, then look, at the, look at that sector right now. I mean, look at what Gladiator's doing. Look at what everybody's doing off-road. I mean, they're definitely up in the game. And, and I, I, Bill, to your point, I think personalization is a key factor. Like, you don't you don't realize how many of these uh, car companies are making so many of these options available. I mean, we don't really think about it too much, but but go through the options list, like go to Porsche and build a 911 on their on their website and you, you know, you can you can load up a 911 in 4 minutes and it'll take you 40 minutes to go through all of the different options that you could possibly do. Um, and uh, like you're saying, like Gladiator and some of these vehicles out there, it sounds like part of the appeal is going to be all of the possible different configurations you can get. Well, on, look at who you're Defender. look at who you're dealing with. Look at the generation you're dealing with. You, you know, it's a it's a generation of interaction, and so you know, giving them the ability to do anything and everything, whether it be a color choice, whether it be a configuration of the interior. Um, I mean, my God, with, with those, if you don't have that as an option now, you're you're going to suffer. I guarantee you, as a car company, it's, yeah. it's also where the margin is. I mean, Porsche makes That's about right. without getting too sort of you know Financial Times about this. They, they Porsche makes about twenty percent return. It's one of the most profitable car companies yeah. after Ferrari, actually. And they um, and almost all of that comes from options. So if you buy a nine eleven, you're adding twenty thirty thousand dollars of options. That's pretty much all margin. Yeah, and and I'd like to see what the average option price is on said car. You know, yeah, um, it's about twenty grand on a nine eleven at the moment. Yeah, for, for when you load it up. Yeah, I, I put the one transaction together, price versus the MSRP. I put one together for a, a friend yesterday, and you know. Um, and especially when you go through the options list on Porsche and you realize how expensive everything is. And you're like, <laughs> it yeah. It may you're- only take you four minutes to build one, but it'll take you four lifetimes to pay for it. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, 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 was, I put together like a 911, like the new 911S, and uh, you know, without going crazy with the carbon fiber bits and the carbon fiber roof and all that stuff, and it was still like thirty or $32,000 yeah. of options on that thing. So... Uh, and it's funny because maybe some people will use the Defender as it's intended to be used, but they are still counting on a lot of, let's say, the Beverly Hills audience to purchase that vehicle and 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 roll around town with it. And I'll tell you what, uh, personalization in the hills of Beverly are equally as important as it would be to the functional uh, uh, upgrades and, and options you'd put on that thing if you were, you know, 
using it as more of a u- utility vehicle. I mean, you're going to roll up. I have to correct you and say you're wrong. I'd say that it's more important because if you see all those people driving around in G wagons, tell me that they all need to be in four wheel drive the whole time. <laughs> right, right, so right. Personalization I, is is much more important for them than function by far. We're definitely going to pull up in front of Mastros in Beverly Hills, and there's going to be a Defender with a snorkel on it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's not even going to know what it is. No, but it looks cool. You see, the interesting thing <laughs> for me is when you look at what they've done, the Discovery, going back to the 2002 Discovery, remember that? That's yeah, yeah, LR4 yeah. over here. The um, the first, the, the sort of utilitarian one. That was going to be called Defender, and then they bottled it. So they had this vision. If you remember, that vehicle was super utilitarian. You went inside. It was all quite plasticky. It was yeah. very boxy. That was supposed to be the new Defender, and then they bottled it at the last minute and called it LR4 or Discovery. Fast forward to today, and they've made the Discovery a bit kind of more softer, and that's supposed to be like the family choice. And the Defender is now supposed to be the kind of like alpha. Yeah. So they've moved the Discovery into being a bit softer, although they're struggling to sell it over here, and then making giving room for the Defender to be this kind of like tough sort of Goldberg-esque vehicle. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> all right. Actually, so, I, I've seen some marketing stuff, and it's all about you know the alpha. You yeah. know, this is alpha. It but you beat it up, and it gets up for more. And I just thought this is basically you, Bill, in, in automotive. <laughs> form. Well, thank you, thank you, kind <laughs> sir. I think that is a compliment. Um, okay, so uh, you haven't driven it yet. You have. You won't be able to drive it for a little while. But you've driven every other Land Rover in the lineup, uh, just based on that and what you've seen of the vehicle. Are you in? or Are you out? What what's your what's the verdict on Defender? When I initially saw the pictures, I was like, mm, not sure. When I went there to, to Frankfurt, when I spent some time with it, I talked to some of the engineers. I'll wait till I drive it for to be definitive, but I think I'm in. I mean, right. I love the I so, love the so Wrangler. So far, what you've seen, what's on paper, you like it. I love well, I love the Wrangler. I love the G wagon. The G wagon's silly money and too kind yeah. of like fashion accessory for my taste. Uh, Wrangler is great, but a little bit too kind of rough and ready in places. This could be a really nice, happy medium. If they get the lease rates right and things like that, yeah. I mean, this is, again, I like the idea of personalizing it. I like the idea of a vehicle that's a little bit more kind of, you know, alpha. Yeah. I mean, obviously. Of, well, of course, you. <laughs> Most it's, very, it's very me, Matt. No, very no, me. you've got that tough accent. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, we've got a we've got a new sponsor I want to tell you guys about. This is the first time I'm looking at this ad, so I'm gonna I might I might stumble through it. But I'm gonna tell you guys about Zorro. If you guys purchase supplies for a business, you know it's nearly impossible to find everything you need in one place. That's why there's Zorro.com, where the number one goal is to make your life easier. It's Zorro Z O R O dot com. It's where you'll find everything you need for for businesses of any size and almost any industry. Zorro.com has tools and equipment. Safety and office supplies, cleaning supplies, and more. That's pretty much everything. Zorro has tons of stuff for industries like electrical, plumbing, contracting, manufacturing, and more. And you'll find brands you know and trust like Stanley, 3M, Milwaukee, Schneider, and Rubbermaid, just to name a few. Zorro.com has amazing customer service for real people based in the U.S., You'll enjoy fast, free shipping on orders over 50 bucks or more. And even if you don't have a business to shop for, you can still find lots of great items at Zorro.com. So visit Zorro.com slash CarCast. That's Z-O-R-O.com slash CarCast. Sign up for their Z-mail and get 15% off your first order. Sign up for their Z-mail and get 15% off. Go to Zorro.com slash CarCast. Not too bad. I picture you delivering that with a sword in your hand. I, I was thinking that too, and I was like, "How come someone's not like writing this onto the walls in here, or like at least onto the monitors or something, like virtually?" You see, if I call, if I call it Zmail, it wouldn't work, would it? No, no, you can't call it Zmail. Zmail. You wouldn't call it Z. You'd lose the you'd lose yeah. the trick. Anyway, move yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, that wouldn't work. You in the Top Gear guys with the Z. <laughs> um, okay, so. Uh, Land Rover you like, Defender you like. I'm 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 into it. Um, you're right. I saw a bunch of the photos, and I had to go through all the various photos and the two doors and the four doors to kind of see what was kind of going on there, and read through the specs and its off road capabilities. I like it. I think you know. I think all the versions we're going to be seeing around Southern California are going to be the higher priced, you know, fully equipped versions, and I've got no problem with that. Sure, no. I look. They're they're going to get them in a press fleet out here. We're going to ask to drive them. I'm going to ask them to send me the one with all this stuff on it so <laughs> uh because you know i okay and 
Enough is enough. How about the GT McLaren? Come on, Alex. Oh, yeah. Come on. Uh, we, it's, it's, Bill's it's, a big fan of the GT, right? I, I was having some Twitter chat with uh, we had one guys, our guys in Europe actually go and drive it, drive it in um, down in France, and it's actually getting pretty, not getting great press because it's a sort of it's a bit of a nothing car in that it's not a real GT, in that it's not a a Bentley or even like a 911 Turbo S or something. I'll come on to 911 GTs in a minute, but it's. It's a, it's still essentially a mid-engine supercar with a slightly bigger trunk, and I think if McLaren That's exactly had, what I thought, and if unbelievable. Mac, but if McLaren had just come out, my, in my view, if McLaren had just come out and said, "What we're going to build is a supercar with a bigger trunk that you can actually use for like a week away," yeah, then I think people said, "Okay, I get that." I Do think you, the fact that they'd come out and said, "This is a you know AMG GT or a." Bentley Continental rival just sort of muddies the muddies the waters a bit, and it's just not that car. Okay, so what what's the problem? The naming convention? You're you're expecting a grand touring car, uh, a la you know Continental GT Bentley, or or are you expecting more from the car? Like uh, let's let's say it wasn't called the McLaren GT. It doesn't, it doesn't sound as if it's classified as a true GT. So it's false advertising. It's Yeah. It's kind of like another McLaren. I mean, the problem McLaren have is they're wedded to this idea that you have a, a, a carbon monocoque mid engined supercar. So anything around that is a nuance, you know, they're not yeah, going to yeah. do an SUV. They're not going to do a front engine GT. So what they've done is say, how can we squeeze another car out of this? So let's make it a bit bigger. Let's have a, Oh, 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 somebody's hello. calling. Uh, let's have a bigger trunk, make it a bit more usable. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's you've still got to get really down into the car. It's still pretty compromised in some ways. You know, it is a supercar with a bigger trunk. It's not a, a Grand Tour or right. something. Right, and McLaren loves lightweight, and they don't want yeah. to call this a McLaren 570 Heavy. Exactly, and I love the 570. Yeah. I love the 570 GT, but it, that's not a GT either. That's just got a, a slightly different different yeah. um, trunk lid. So yeah, it's the first vehicle they've done in a while where they they're actually getting you know some some negative kickback on it. And this is based off of what, like a 650, a 570? Where, what is this sort of? Uh, this is based off the. Five, seven, it? It's five seven. I, um, do you know what I can't remember? This because there's a yeah. slightly different tub between the five seventy and the seven twenty, and I can't remember exactly what's. Yeah, on I the, don't know if it's a seven twenty because the seven twenty is is too expensive. Is, I think is twice the cost of this. Yeah, I and did. so I think they have to base it off. You know, and the seven twenty has, you know, whatever the the dynamic you know sway bar system. Like the it doesn't have sway bars. It has like, you know, hydraulics or something to to. Are the cockpits universal between the two, design-wise? Yeah, I mean, and also the other not thing the is it's not a... Though. No, the 720, though. No, the 720 has a different carbon tub to the to the 570. Yeah. It's a bit more expensive. But the other thing about this GT is it's only a two-seater. Now, we all know that you can't really... Well, you might you might get mad in the back of a 911, but you Maybe. aren't going to get Bill or I, but it's... <laughs> you, you can't... You can't st- the one thing about what happens in a 911 is if you go away for a week, you throw all the bags in the back. Yeah. And the McLaren hasn't got that. So, you know, it's not – that's right. another so, thing. It's so another thing, two, it two couldn't seat. possibly be like a, a true GT without even have like the little tiny, you know, jump seats in the back like a 911 or, or a handful of the, the, the sports cars yeah. that are out there doing that. Okay. So let's take GT away from it. And then um, where does this fall in the McLaren lineup? Is this Is this the car you want? If you want, uh, you know, maybe more leather or or better stereo or more trunk space, is it is it is it more luxurious? Does it does it have an audience, or or do you just skip the GT and get the five seventy or the six fifty? Or I um, I I mean, this is the so problem the with the car. Point so. Has a lot have a lot to do with that decision. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at this car, and again, it's sitting sitting then between five seventies and seven twenties and stuff. I think you look at this and. Because this car starts at like two something, two fifteen, yeah, so two thirteen. It's, so it's, long, it's on the lower end of of because uh, what's lower a, end of seven seven twenty? You're going to spend four hundred thousand yeah, dollars on right? exactly. So it sits between the two. It's it's a bit more usable than a than a five seventy, but a lot not a lot more. I mean, this is the problem. Who is who is going to buy it? I think you buy it because you think maybe if you're going to use it every day, then but who does that? You know, if you, maybe if you're saying actually I am going to try and use this every day, it makes it makes sense. 
Um, but it's a bit neither fish nor fowl. It doesn't really doesn't really deliver on its promise. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's okay, interesting. Okay. So let's let's stay along the lines of uh, anticipation. How about the uh, the new Porsche? The Taycan, do you know what? I was supposed to be driving it literally today, um, and then I just got so busy at the office that you I had to staff it out. You staffed it. out the Taycan? Is Taycan. it Taycan? I now know it's Taycan. Taycan. Did you just find it? It's, it's not got Liam They've been talking it. about it for, for, for years, and now we, we finally. You had to go to Frankfurt <laughs> to find out what it's called. It's the, it's the Porsche uh-huh. Taycan. Taycan. So no Liam Neeson. Uh, it's not taken. <laughs> um, yeah, I was supposed to be driving. We were actually driving it today in in Denmark, and Dan Edmonds, from, uh, um, our director of evaluations, out there. And yeah, I just had to spend some time in LA. I mean, last week I did six flights in four days, and I just said, actually, I've got to be in the office a little bit. I got to come and talk to you guys. That's right. I mean, All what right, would well, you rather be doing? We're glad to have you. We're glad to have you out there. You could have called in from the Taycan event. I could have called. That would have been quite good. Actually. <laughs> yeah, you could have called in for the Taycan event. All right. Um, I actually have uh, nine eleven questions at first, um, but before we do that, um, we you know we gave away some tickets to uh, to Bristol to the NASCAR race. We're gonna, race. We're going to follow up with some of those guys and have them call in at some point. But before we do, um, there's a Indy Indy car race happening this weekend at Laguna Seca, and I've got a couple. Uh, I've got some tickets to give away. So hold on one second. We're going to take a call. Hello. Hello. Hi. You're on with uh, hey Matt and Bill and uh, Alistair Weaver from Edmonds. And uh, we understand. Good, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. We understand that uh, you might be available this weekend. You're looking for some IndyCar tickets. Yeah, definitely so. All right. Well, uh, tell us what's what's going on. Who are you? What do you want to do? Why yep. do you want to go? Well, I'm uh, I'm originally from Indianapolis, and I basically grew up in the shadows of uh, 16th and Georgetown, and moved out to Southern California about 12 years ago, and and. Um, I saw the race on the calendar, but you know, life's in the way. You got a couple, of, got a daughter in college and work and everything <laughs> like that. I'm going to be too busy. But then uh, the opportunity came up. My brother uh, DM'd me uh, your guys' tweet the other day and like, yeah. hey, you ought to check this out. And you know what? If, if fate has it, and I, I need to be there, let's go ahead and email and find out. And I was lucky enough to get to get the call. So um, okay, on the spur of the moment, we're gonna we're gonna. It looks sounds like we're gonna head up to Monterey and catch the season uh, the season finale in the championship. All right. By the way, I, I could have swore you said wife was in the way, but you said life is in the way. That's, life that's, was in the way. You said life is in the way. <laughs> and I was like, your wife's in the way. That seems it's a little harsh. All right. <laughs> All right. My wife is literally standing in the doorway. <laughs> life's in the way. Um, okay. So where are, you, where are you? Where are you from? Where are you now? How far are you? I'm in Orange you? County. In you're in Orange Southern County. California now. Okay, so uh, uh, you're gonna you're gonna drive up. You're gonna fly up. Well, uh, I'm gonna drive up, and I'm gonna be. I'm trying to coerce my brother out of Denver to join me, since he's the one who told me about it, and he's missing India as much as I am. So, if I can get him out of Denver, he's either gonna he'll probably make the flight. But if not, I've got a good buddy out here that's a big Formula One fan that I've been trying to bring over the IndyCar side. So, uh, so either way, I'm gonna have some good company with me. But I will definitely be driving. All right, you're going to the race. Chris is going to take some information from you, and uh, and uh, we you're going to have a, a pair of a pair of passes over there and uh, paddock passes as well, so you can go enjoy the race and uh, and walk around and see uh, some of the teams, say hi to some of the drivers. Um, Absolutely wonderful. And then uh, thank you very much for the opportunity. Appreciate it. All right, so um, you need to uh, either call back or email Chris. How did we get a hold of you? Was it email? Was it email? Yeah, email. I've been talking with Chris on email, so I will reach out to him after okay. we're done. All right, Chris is going to follow up and get information from you. Enjoy the race, and we'll check in with you uh, maybe after the event and see how you liked it. Yeah, I'll, def- I'll definitely circle back. I'll take some pictures and give you a trip report when, I'm, uh, when we're all back and the championship's been decided. Love that. Thanks, man. Enjoy Thanks, yourself. Thanks, guys. I appreciate okay. it. Thank you so right. much. I'm jealous. That sounds like a great weekend. Have fun, safe trip. And hey, Matt, yeah. we can't give anything away again without making somebody at least jump through a hoop or two to win the ticket. I mean, <laughs> right. We, we have to do them. They have to, they have to give their best engine sound or whatever it is. We have got to make this enjoyable because as it is right now, it's kind of like listening to The next pair of tickets 
you have to accept one full speed spear from Goldberg. You can wear all the padding well, and helmets no, you want. We can't go to that end of the spectrum, <laughs> but you know we got we got we have to publicly embarrass these people. They have to do something. Have to do something worthy of us giving them the ticket. They will. They'll be in the race in traction, basically. <laughs> just, ah, just, ah, <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, oh, I've I've got something for you guys. First, I'm going to tell you about JB Weld. I'm going to tell you guys about JB Weld, and I got a little I got a little game for you guys to play. Uh, our friends at JB Weld, uh, we we love them over here for big or small projects at home or the garage. You need something that lasts? We're proud to have J.B. Weld uh, adhesive, epoxy adhesive as a sponsor. Keep J.B. Weld in your toolbox, kitchen drawer, and craft room. It's good for metal, wood, and plastic, pretty much anything. It's made in the USA. Pros and DIYers have trusted uh, J.B. Weld for more than 50 years. Uh, we use it at home in the garage. We have some here at the studio as well. We keep a box of it. We use it for pretty much everything over here. JB Weld is available at Home Depot, Lowe's, AutoZone, Advanced Auto Parts, O'Reilly, Walmart, Amazon, and more. JB Weld's the world's strongest bond. Uh, I've got uh, I've got a little something for you. I'm going to give you guys a couple of of scenarios, a little uh, little game. You guys are going to tell me if this is glue or false. Glue glue means yes. Glue means true. Got it. Glue is true. Glue or false? JB Weld has an epoxy product. That can be applied and cured underwater. Glue or false? Bill. Hello? <laughs> I said glue. Oh, glue. All right. Okay. Alistair? False. It is glue. You lose. <laughs> glue. They can, you can do it underwater. I like that. <laughs> I, I think of those guys that are like on the tankers welding underwater because oh, yeah. there's constantly the, – the underwater welders, I think, is a thankless job. <laughs> <laughs> okay. well. Yeah, but you know what? They get paid a hell of a lot. Uh, of I was just going to say, they must really get paid well, right? All right, J.B. Weld is proudly made in the USA. Is that glue or false? Oh, <laughs> glue. that's glue. That's glue. You know why? Because I just said so in the ad 30 seconds ago. <laughs> All right, epoxy is only for professionals. Glue or false? Huh? Well, that's false. All right, what do you say? False. It's false. Anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. In fact, epoxy will give you the strongest permanent bond. Go to jbweld.com for more. That was fun. <laughs> Let's, uh, it was awesome, man. That was the pinnacle of my morning. <laughs> You're such a pro. The next time we give away tickets, we're going to make them play glue or false. And, <laughs> and, uh, and for real, they're going to have to, if they lose, they do not get tickets to any more races. Uh, speaking of races, we're going to do this again um, sometime soon. I believe the Winter Nationals is coming up in November. So we've sent you to NASCAR race. We've sent you to IndyCar race. And now we want you to go to an NHRA drag race. The Winter Nationals are awesome. I've gone. Bill's gone. It is fantastic. Bill and I raced. It, it, you know, it seems to me that that would be a wonderful event for Alistair to Alistair, you need to go. She's some real American racing. I'd love to. You should I'd definitely go. To go. I've been to. Yeah, I'm trying to tick all the boxes. And uh, we are. Uh, you should come with us for that. Um, we're hooking up with our friends over at Jags.com, and uh, you can go out there and uh, and meet the team and get into their pit and dig into what makes these things run. Uh, uh, Winter Nationals coming up. Yeah, it? Winter Nationals. I, I once believe. had yeah. a run. You know the PD Cruiser, which yeah. now is a kind of iffy reputation. Yep. In the UK, <laughs> they built they built something called the PT Bruiser. Okay. Which was a drag racer based on the PD Cruiser, and I had a run in that at Santapod Raceway in the UK. What do you run? This is like 15 oh years God. ago. How fast you run? I have no idea. Yeah. But it felt fast. 15 twos, <laughs> and it had a blower. It felt really fast. <laughs> um, I've got a question for you. So uh, a friend of ours uh, has been on the show many times, Tyson, is uh, – uh, he, you know, he's, he's thinking about, uh, getting a, a, a Porsche. Now, I've been a big fan of the Porsche Targa. I like the idea of the 911 Targa, the modern day Targa. Yeah. It's, 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 it's the best of both worlds. It's retractable, a little soft top. It's not a full convertible, but also I like it. It has the glass in the back is more rounded, much more visibility and stuff. So, uh, he was thinking, hey, Porsche Targa would be good. But the new 911 that's out that we saw at the LA Auto Show, you guys are starting to drive it and test it. And uh, I saw your great video. You have a little issues with the shifter, it turns out. Uh, 
Yeah, can we can we have a plug before we get into the <laughs> yeah, answer? Yeah. So on YouTube at the moment, we launched it last Friday. We we we. It's actually me in the, the film as well. Was was hope that doesn't put anybody off. Uh, but it was the new 911, 992 versus the M850i, the BMW. Yes, and I have questions about that too. Okay. 850 versus 911. You guys put the film out there. And I saw the two cars lined up to do launch control, and you're sitting there just a bewildered face. Yeah, this was, your face. this was something I didn't, I didn't actually know the guys were actually. It's a bit like you were reading ads. I didn't know the guy, the guys were actually going to put this out. But I, it has a <laughs> silly little shifter in the middle. It's the worst thing about the car. It looks like a kind of shaver, like a razor. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's got a weird. And I hadn't really. You have to kind of pull it back, tap it in to get into into drive. And we're all sat there, and I'd put launch. You know, getting ready for launch control and everything else, ready for the drag race. So this was at the streets of Willow. And the camera guy was on the on the on the on the radio shouted go and I go. nailed it. <laughs> BMW shot off and I was just sat there. <laughs> the, there was about six cameras on me and I was just saying it took me about at least ten seconds to work out yeah. what was going on that we're actually still in that neutral. Sounds like me and Top Gear. Oh my god, so. it's fantastic. He opens the door and he's like, uh, I think it was in neutral. <laughs> and everybody's like, reset, start over. <laughs> <laughs> the but one all, guy that's supposed to know everything about the cars, you were just sat there. But also, you know, like track time's expensive. You know, it was like 110 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, but there's a full video of of the the 850 versus the 911. How do you like the 850? Because when we saw uh, that car start to like show up in Monterey, at the Quail Monterey. and stuff like that, I said... I kind of liked it, and you said no. You didn't well, like the design. We're getting a load of um, stick, actually, on YouTube for people jumping on it, because we kind of said, look, both these cars these days are GTs, and we spent a lot of time in the film explaining why we think the, the Carrera S in particular is, or Carrera Carrera S is, you know, is an everyday car. That's always been part of the 911's appeal, and and if you look at them on paper, they're basically the same money. The there is the BMW is slightly more practical, but not massively more. The rear seats are all but useless. So, you know, it's also got breathed on by M. It's an M850i. So it seemed like, a, you know, the BMW's got more power. It's got all-wheel drive. So on paper, it looks, it looks like a great comparison. And on the road, uh, on, on the, road the BMW feel is, is a little bit more luxurious, a little bit quieter. But then you get to the track. And, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about 911s going soft, you know, everyday cars, blah, blah, blah. You get the track, and the 911 just absolutely blew it away. So now all the YouTube commentaries about oh, this isn't a proper comparison and 911 isn't a grand tour and all the rest. But actually, the comparison made a lot of sense. It's just that when you get to a circuit, you realize just how good the 911 is, still yeah. is at doing everything. Brilliant as a road car, get it to the track, it'll play, it'll dance. Yeah, it's, it's a hell of a thing. And the BMW, by contrast, you get it the track and you just go, is this really like it? It got an M badge. It was, I'm not saying it was bad, but it was it was really soft and cumbersome. It's just so heavy. Okay, but when you say M badge, it's not an M8. It's just, and I don't know why BMW is doing this. They're trying to, I guess, option it up and find a way to make more money. But they have an 850 and an M850 so, and then an M8 at some point, or is so, there... We're no. driving the M8 this week. We have a uh, Mark Takahashi for us. He's in, in Spain, I think it is, later this week, driving the M8. So they have an 840, which isn't M. Then they have the M850i. So I was kind of thinking, this sort of makes sense. Put the M850i against the Carrera S. Yeah. Then we'll put the M8 against like a GTS or a, it's probably not GT3, but you know what I mean. Yeah, you know where I'm yeah going. right. Okay. Um, and the M8's not out yet. But it was, yeah, so we were a little bit... It's a nice car. If you're just going to drive it every day as a road car, it's still a nice thing if you don't need the need the rear seats. Right. Um, well, look, but I, terrific. I, I mean, I, I get it. it's kind of a it's kind of a fair thing and an unfair thing to say this is a this is a good comparison or this is not a good comparison. It doesn't it doesn't really matter. It's getting two cars on the track in one video, and you guys can can look at them both. You know, does it mean that people are cross shopping the 850 versus the the 911s? I don't know if they are. They probably aren't. I kind of feel like, you know, you you. I don't know. I kind of see one as more of a sports car, and more as one of a GT car. One is a little bit going to work every day, and the other one's. You know, I mean, Porsche is unique in that it is sort of the all-around car. I've always said, uh, it you don't feel more of a like of all the cars today, and they all have like uh, they have a sport mode and or or a track mode or a touring mode or a normal mode, and and nothing feels more drastic than the normal mode in a in a nine eleven, and then sport and sport plus mode. Uh, you know, you, you take a nine eleven Turbo S. 
that is as docile it could possibly be in normal mode, and it's a complete animal in sport plus mode. Everything from its shifting and its and how it holds the revs and it, everything about it feels it's there's nothing more Jekyll and Hyde than Porsche, and they, I think they do it better than anybody out there. You'd probably know uh, more more than I would. Um, but uh, I think that's what always made Porsche so unique is you can sit in L.A. traffic all day long in your 911 and then go and be a rock star at the track on, on the weekend if you wanted to. Yes, it's interesting. One of the criticisms for us of the, the 992, I spent a few days in it on the road before we took it up to, to Willow, particularly the sound of the engine is yeah. – it's a bit too docile. You don't really get that roar on the anymore. 911. Yeah, and there's I an, kind of uh, feel like they've been doing that for a while. They have I been doing really it for a while, and, and it's like the sound ever since it went turbo, and and now it almost feels like you know, are you in danger of going too far? And then you get to the circuit, and the whole thing comes alive. But the reality is, how many people go and you know, yeah, maybe you do a track day, yeah, but it's not many people. Carrera S is actually going to try so. They're in danger of losing that visceral appeal at 30 miles an hour, which is which is what you need. And that's why I have a classic 911 at home, because you want to feel good at 30 miles an hour. And I don't take my classic one to a, to a track, but I drive it I drive <laughs> it around, you know, up and down the coast a bit, and you feel a million yeah. dollars. Uh, Bill, what is uh, Wanda's Porsche? 92 Turbo. 92 Turbo, right? 964. 964, Bill? Yeah, 964. Yes, sir. You would be, yeah, yeah. Is it? That's what it is. Yeah, that's a nice car. It's a lovely car. Yeah, it's turbo, though. It, it's, you know, it, it, yeah, I, I'm not I like a, a purist by any stretch of imagination as much as I'd like to be in the Porsche area, but it seems to me that this is one of the last ones that the uh, purists are gawking over. Um, why I don't know, but that was for you. Can tell me that it's probably yeah. air cooled versus liquid cooled. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of the, kind of the end of the air cooled line. I mean, I right? have a nine nine three, which is the one after Bill's car, and that's um, yeah, that was the last of the air cooled, and yeah, you know, that's why you buy it because it was in the end of an era and the end of that yeah. that essence of nine eleven. But we should answer your friend's question. We've forgotten all about it. Okay, yeah. So the question was uh, the new nine eleven. Um, I haven't driven it yet. Uh, you know, we've seen it at the auto show. Um, you've you've had some time with it now, and your staff has as well. So the question <laughs> is, yeah. right? All of your people, <laughs> all of your all of your people, right? Haven't they driven it? Yeah. What your 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 people? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, your staff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it was so funny. Like you have a staff. Of you people. always make. I don't know the way you describe. Anyway, move on. Well, yeah, we have 34 people in the editorial yeah. team at Edmunds. It's See, a big operation. It is. We've got it is Chris. A big operation. <laughs> We've got Chris. You've got 34 people. <laughs> it's a little different. Okay, okay, it's a little crap. different. Okay. Move on. All right. So, new 911. They don't make an Targa, but they make it a coupe and a convertible. Okay. Does Tyson go for the Targa, or is the new, which is last year's, I guess, or is the new 911 good enough that he should just get the new 911, whether it be coupe or convertible or whatever. So I'm going to answer this in a roundabout way. If you, if I was buying one, like a, a new 911 now, yeah. I would buy what they call a 991.1, which is the first generation, which is the last generation, the last body shape of the 911 to, to the current one, the one that's effectively still on sale as a target, but before they went to the turbo engine. So 991.1, which is the last naturally aspirated. Okay. If you can get a GTS stick 991.1, Fabulous, right. um, but, but let's but say there's that, not on the lots, and you're going to go out and lease a car. Oh, so if you he's leasing get it, new. it, that's different, yeah. right? Okay, so if he's leasing it new, I think it's personal preference. I mean, the 992, the new one, has a much nicer interior. That's the big change. Yeah, um, the interior is 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 terrific, um, and a, and a step forward. And they will do a target. And I think the target is probably about a year away. Right. I would say look at the deal because they might find that 992 is literally hitting showrooms about now. Mm-hmm. Um, so there'll be no deals on a 992. Maybe the dealer's got a bunch of tar- 991 targets and stuff lying around. Maybe you know. Maybe there's a deal to be done. So I, I would look at what the economics look like. But you know, you're not going to buy an, uh, the the old targa and feel like it's uh, you know feel like you, you you're driving an old car. It's it's still a fabulous thing. New one, great interior, and yeah, I think. I, but again, it's also it's had a price hike as well. I mean, we the car we drove the nine nine two, which was a Carrera S coupe, 
with options that you would want. There was nothing really on it that you would say, ah, oh, that's that's a bit superfluous. This was like 140 grand plus. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's got to be 140, 150,000 yeah, dollars. Um, you know, and that's where, you know, because we were talking earlier, but there's a lot of stuff with Porsche that you want. So rear wheel, rear wheel steering, that's desirable if you're ever going to, uh, just from a general maneuverability. You know, the, the whole sport chrono, the um, upgraded suspension with the adjustable dampers and everything else, all these things actually are, are things that you would want. Um, and it's a big thing. You know, a lot of the press cars that, that, that you and I test all the time have this stuff on it because Porsche want to show the car off. Yeah. It's actually quite hard to get hold of a, a kind of bog-standard $115,000 911. They almost yeah. don't exist, or Carrera S. Yeah. Well, first of all, Porsche doesn't even want to sell those. They want you to load up yeah, on all no the options. Margin. Like you said, yeah. it's all it's – all. so is there any real discernible difference between – uh, the new one, the 992 and the previous one. You said the, the interior the is a little bit nicer. Is, so. there, is there any real comfort, drivability? Is, is it, is it, it, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's like all 911s. It's, a, it's an evolution. Uh, obviously, the styling is different, particularly at the rear. Um, that's a bit of a personal But there's nothing thing. that stands out. There's nothing you said, oh, you know, listen, the, the previous one, the one thing that bugged us every day was this or this or this, you know, no, and then it just never really had that. I mean, it's not no, really it, common it, with Porsche. It's but. not like if you go back to 997, there was issues with the engine. You'd say, okay, don't yeah. buy that engine. Uh, but if – but. Not really. I mean, it's an evolution. The engine's just a, the engine was kind of like carried right. over and things like that. So, and particularly if you're using things like Apple CarPlay, one of the things that dates pretty quickly now is the whole infotainment. And Porsche's just yeah. upgraded all of this. But if you're going to plug in your iPhone and use CarPlay or something, that doesn't bother you either. Yeah. All right. So you either you either are in love with the new interior or you're not, or you go for the best deal. And those are pretty much the only two deciding factors. Buy the one that you want. Yeah, if you fine. fall in love with the Targa, and I agree. I mean, the Targa adds a bit of weight where you don't want it, but yeah. hey, everything's everything's. Yeah, it's fine, but it's pretty fine. and it looks good, and and yeah. it's kind of. It's, I like it's, the Targa. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool looking car. I was just driving one. I was not driving. I was driving next to one on the way here, and I was just like, Targa looks sharp. Yeah. Yeah, and I love the rear glass. It just it's so much more visibility, and it's a lot of curve in the glass. And the piece of glass alone looks like it's really expensive, so don't crack that. And if you get one of those, say on a two-year lease or a three-year lease, yeah, then you go get years the new. Time, then you get the new Targa in two years' time. Everyone's a winner. Yeah. All right, guys. Let me tell you a little bit about Dodge. We love our friends at Dodge. Visit your local Dodge dealer where we bring you performance, technology, and great deals. There's never been a better time to join the brotherhood of muscle because now we're offering Dodge Power Dollars, which means for each horsepower, you'll get $10 off. So put some rubber on the pavement in a Challenger SRT Hellcat Red Eye and get $7,970 off. Or maybe you'll peel out with a powerful Dodge Charger or share your adventure with friends in the roomy seven-passenger Durango. It's the most powerful SUV in its class. So hurry into your local Dodge dealer and take advantage of Dodge Power Dollars today. See dealer for details. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by September 30th, 2019, based on 2019 Ward's Midsides. Sport utility vehicle segment excludes other FCA US LLC vehicles. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. I kind of feel like you should read the disclaimers, Chris. All right. I feel like you're the disclaimer guy. It's like I had all this great info and momentum. Yeah. And then I had to do all the I don't do all the F- FCA US LLC stuff at the end. All right, we tried it, didn't work. Yeah, yes, we'll we'll go, we'll go back to the other. <laughs> okay. We'll go back to the other way, but uh, it's a great deal uh, on that. All right, so is there anything uh, anything we're missing before we wrap things up? I think the big thing oh, we talked about Frankfurt. And we only really talked about the Defender. There was some other really yeah. Cool what stuff else there. happened there? Um, Audi RS6 uh, finally getting Audi's hot wagon in the US. That looks fabulous. Yeah. Now, are they going to sell it or just the media loves it? Do you know what this is? This is you've been reading my uh, you've been reading the at we vomiter Instagram feed. Uh, oh my gosh, I've been talking about wagons for years. Yeah, I had Audi actually came into our office yesterday and we were talking about this. And there are cars in time where journalists love and nobody buys. Yes, every and wagon. It's every wagon, and it is one of those <laughs> things where you know I think Audi themselves like this is the one chance people. You know, it's like yeah. if, if they're bringing this in, they're going to give it a you know give it an opportunity. If nobody buys it. I don't think this car's happening again. So you know, we'll we'll go and drive it. It's you know, it's got six hundred horsepower, six seven hundred horsepower, six 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 hundred something horsepower. Yeah, Bill, listen to this. Okay, Audi RS six wagon. 
600 horsepower. It has all the performance bits you can possibly imagine in this thing. 591. 590. There you go. All right. It's basically, it's, it's one Canaan air filter away from 600, right? And yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, super high performance wagon. Are you in or are you out? I'm in. Absolutely. You're in. The best skiing car. Okay. It's, uh, I won't use it for skiing, but I, uh, there's no question that I'm in. You know, I, uh, that Magnum back in the day that Dodge came out with, as, as niche as that car was, it was pretty cool, man. I think it's an interesting sector. Let's agree to disagree on, that, on, the, on the Dodge wagon. <laughs> we can agree to disagree all you want. <laughs> the only problem with the Audi. I wouldn't drive your Fox body for anything in the world. Oh, man. There you go. <laughs> That's why I bought a Lightning, buddy. I'm just saying. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right. So you, the, the Audi, the Audi looks the, the Audi looks sensational. Only problem is 115 grand. Yeah, and there's going to be a few options and stuff. Yeah, but all right. So, but there's not going to be many on the road, and it is going to be kind of a nichey thing. Yeah. And especially in in this town, uh, do you want something that's special, that's kind of unique, and 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 it's not the super bright lime green G wagon on the giant forty inch tires? Like, you know, yeah, it's okay. a perfect car for me, right? Yeah, family. <laughs> there you go, family. There you go. Yeah. Hey, uh, what else? Volkswagen had their little ID three. Uh, which is an, uh, the first kind of ground-up. They had the e-Golf, but this is the first ground-up electric car. Uh, that's not coming to the U.S., but we are getting an SUV version probably next year. Called the, uh, it's probably going to be called the ID4. Um, you know, they're putting based big, on based on their platform. Whatever. Yeah, they've, this got, is kind they've of got an electric platform. So they basically, from the ground-up, said we are going to build a range of vehicles on these kind of underpinnings, and it's been designed uh, bespoke to be electric. Um, they're making a big push around that. Um, so it was, it was interesting. We, but that's going to be really important for VW in, you know, in Europe and here, the SUV version here. This is a somewhat, let's, let's call it affordable electric vehicle, uh, coming from Volkswagen. They were trying to make a big play that, you know, we did the, the people's car and the Beetle and this is the next people's car. I think that might be overstating it a bit, but it, that, you know, they've even redesigned the Volkswagen Bash. They're trying to move on from Dieselgate. This is a new company in inverted commas and, and, yeah. and away they go. Actually, on another shameless plug coming on Friday, we have uh, a video coming out, which is a big roundup of Frankfurt. So check that out on the, on edmunds.com slash road noise. Okay. Get that well, in early. And uh, all right. So what else did you like at uh, Frankfurt? There was the Lamborghini Cyan. Yes. Which is this hybrid with super capacitors? Um, we talked a little bit about this last week. We were talking about the capacitors uh, in 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 you know sort of replacing the conventional battery. Although electric vehicles were so new, we're like it's the conventional battery. Yeah. We're already done with the battery. Let's go to capacitors. They're fast charging. They expel their energy very quickly, and uh, uh, but it still has it's it's a Lamborghini. Basically, a Ventador type car. Uh, yeah, stupid money. Like so it's going to have to have and... it has to have a giant engine in it, and it's it's an interesting solution for uh, supercar. A few years ago, I drove the 911 GT3 R uh, race car, uh, the hybrid GT3 R hi- hi- hybrid with race like car. the Kerr system in it. That or the, the... and it was it was the flywheel which Williams, yeah. the Formula One yeah. team, developed. So you sat there in this race car with this flywheel, literally where the passenger seat would be in a 911. Right. Seems and, incredibly dangerous. <laughs> they're like, they're like, right. no, it's going to be fine. This is never going to come apart. Uh, and they raced in the twenty-four hour the Nurburgring, yeah. and this was all about use, co- collecting the energy, keeping this thing spinning, and then deploying it. And in some ways, the Lamborghini's not not dissimilar. So you're not charging it up, and it's sitting in a battery for days. This is all about short, sharp hips of acceleration and, and improving efficiency. It also look. I mean, the problem with the Lamborghini is, and they do now, they make all their money from these special editions. And yeah. but this one, I actually kind of liked. It was pretty. It looked kind of cool. It does look. It cool. was like a pretty good color choice. Like in the photos, had sort of a more of an army greenish kind of thing yeah. going on, but not matte. I don't think it was matte. I think it was a shiny. Green. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is a sort of khaki color, and yeah, I liked it. I mean, it's. I get a bit bored of it after a while, you know. You're just like another Lamborghini special edition, <laughs> but I know that sounds silly. Uh, but 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 this know, is kind of an R and D. This is a play for them. This is yeah. going to trickle down. Like, does Audi and Volkswagen eventually use capacitors for something instead of all batteries or some combination of it? 
it's got to be super expensive. So the only way to do it is in a $3 million Lamborghini that they're going to make, I don't know, 20 over, 10 over, yeah, who I knows mean, what. Lamborghini, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's less than 100, definitely. But they, yeah. um, yeah, I can see this coming. Like Everybody has to adjust to the kind of new world order, and this is an interesting way of doing it. So, yeah. you know, you could see it coming on to something like a Audi R8 or something like that in the future. Yeah, there yeah. could be a bit of trickle down, but it's not. you're not going to find it on an A3. Yeah. Do we still have an Audi R8? Yeah, we do, yeah. Okay. My neighbor has one, actually. You can't hear in this like, V10 wake up every morning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the baby loves that. I love it. <laughs> I know, it's nice. I'm kind of like sub- subliminal. subliminal. Yeah, you're uh, like, ooh, yeah. I like that. Yeah, the baby's ooh. like, eh, I don't know. Feed me. <laughs> uh, okay, is there uh, – uh, what else is going on at, at Frankfurt? Or now that we're getting – after Frankfurt happened, we're going to start rolling. You know, we got SEMA show coming up, but then uh, – uh, L.A. Auto Show. Is L.A. Auto Show is going to be, you know, I mean, fewer and fewer, I guess, debuts are happening at these things, especially in the higher-end brands. We're starting to see, I mean, you, you mentioned Lamborghini, of course, but, you know, we're, we're seeing, you know, the BMW 850 go to Quail for the first time. And we're starting to see, you know, Bentley's GT end up at, uh, you know, at a media preview or, or or Pebble Beach instead of L.A. Auto Show, you know, stuff like that. I think L.A. is actually going to be pretty – I know a few things are going to be there, but I'm, I'm kind of – there's a, there's a handful of things that I kind of know about which we can yeah, well, as we, we get closer about. to it. We'll, as we we'll, get closer. But I think L.A. is going to be pretty big this year. I mean, this is a hugely busy time. I was looking at, like, where our guys are this – this week, we have people in Australia. We have two people in Europe driving the Taycan and the MX of staff. We have somebody on the on the Moab with the Gradiator. You know, why am I why am I saying? Yeah, why I don't know why you're sitting here. <laughs> so we have we have people all over the place at the moment. It's a hugely busy time. Alana Sher was driving another film that's out out right now. Is the um, Escape film, the Ford Escape? She came back pretty, yes. pretty impressed. That's by the one that. that with the design is influenced by the Ford GT. And then I went there and I was like, what? What part? And they go, well, this little silver bit on the front yeah, bumper. The <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh yeah, it really screams for GT. <laughs> what and do you guys think of the uh, of the Escape? That's good. It's an important vehicle for them. It, it's a it's it, basically replacing the small sedan, right? It's a hugely important vehicle. When you think that something like a Rav Four sells four hundred thousand a year, CRV is not too far behind, and Ford has traditionally struggled in that market. The last Escape, we didn't think much of, and neither did neither did the consumers. Not not too many people bought it. It's an interesting because it's not. It's almost like a kind of cro- a true crossover in that it's kind of half half sedan, half SUV. It's not too overtly SUV. So it's um yeah. I mean, Alana, I think has come back pretty pretty impressed by it. Okay. Um, we'll bring it in for a, a group test and put it against CRVs and stuff. But it's it's a big vehicle for Ford, and you know when you look at the market now, what what are Ford actually doing? This this has to work for them because the EcoSport is 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 a bit nothing. Um. So this becomes absolutely critical. They can't just keep selling trucks and for forever and a day. And you look at somebody like Toyota and the breadth of their range and just how many vehicles they they're covering all the bases. And Ford is making a pretty big bet that you build trucks, you build SUVs, and look when you make a, a commitment to stop doing cars and the small cars, you you've got to hit it. You've got to hit it out of the park with your small SUV. You do, you do, and and I think the. <laughs> The problem is, from a communication point of view, saying you stop – people don't in the consciousness think about – and our research shows this. People don't think about cars and SUVs and – they don't think about those terms. You know, an SUV is a car. So when yeah. Ford came out and said, we're not doing cars, it was like, what? What? What, what? Yeah, what are you it's doing? really not that much different. It's yeah. like we're making the same thing, but it it's a, it's it sits a, a little bit higher. higher. Yeah. yeah, that's really about it. And that's kind Which, of what the Escape is, right? Yeah, that's really it. It's a I don't know. It's it's a Ford Focus with a little bit of a lift kit on it, but <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> but look, our roads just keep getting worse and worse. Nobody's fixing those things, so why not get a little bit more uh, clearance and a little bit more uh, suspension travel? Uh, makes sense. And I was re- hearing something the other day that cars are now designed for China first. America second, and then Europe after that. Yeah, which is fine if you live in China and uh, or America because everything's just getting bigger and bigger, and particularly wider and wider. But you know, the the, the sheer scale of cars. There's no, you know, if you if you go to Europe now, where the roads are narrow, it's a nightmare. Over here, we're just going to have to accept city planning and everything else that cars are not getting smaller. Yeah. All right. Anything else good out there? Always, Matt. So much going on. But so Taycan, Taycan will have uh, later this week 
uh, M8. Check out roadnoiseedmunds.com slash roadnoise. There's so much stuff coming through at the moment. It's a hugely busy time. All right. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, thanks, guys, uh, for listening. And, of course, you can find us at carcastshow.com. And uh, if you like what you hear, uh, go on iTunes. Give us a nice little rating and review. Or uh, hit us up on social media. I'm at Motorator pretty much everywhere. And uh, you can find Goldberg. He's at uh, Goldberg and Goldberg Garage on Twitter and Goldberg95 and Goldberg's Garage on Instagram. And Alistair Weaver. He's Alistair Weaver on Twitter and he's Weevometer on Instagram. I'm TikTok. And I love that. TikTok. TikTok. What is that? What's that? So TikTok is this new Gen Z social media platform. We put a Acura Type S. You know, you were there at the event. Yeah, yeah. I shot the unveil on my uh, iPhone, put it on TikTok, 10 million views. I never even heard of TikTok. I mean, that that's Bill's like, level of social media reach. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's really what all the kids are into these days. Well, he said TikTok. Gen Z, and I was I, like, I'm out. I put, a, <laughs> I put a Lamborghini, I put the Cyan on, on my TikTok, something like 200,000 views. Okay, it's, it's, it's an app, you download it, it's like yeah. just another, all right. Yeah, it's another right. social media platform. All right, I need one more app on my phone. I'm, I'm all over it. I'm just going to subscribe to... <laughs> To, I, I just bought Alistair. I just got motorators. So you're gonna have to buy that off me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. I've got Goldberg. I think that's worth more. No, you can have it. <laughs> you can have it. He's like, you're out. Well, the last thing we all need is one more social media thing to manage in our lives. No, man, please, no. it's, it's Gen Z, so it's it's a lot of it is you know it's it's that sort of 16 to. I remember that, 16 to 25. So you open it up and it's just full of 16 to 25-year-olds and you're like, this this feels a bit off. Part of that doesn't even sound legal for us to be on that. So um, anyway, check us out there. And of course, uh, uh, check check out uh, Alistair and his staff, his team, his people at uh, edmunds.com slash roadnoise. That's it. We're good. I think we're good. I think we got everything in. All right, guys. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Uh, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. The car out of the shop. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Oh,